On the Virtual Bible Study tonight, we want to talk about the joy of our salvation. I think this is a neglected subject, Jacob. It's not, you know, sometimes we get a bigger reaction when we talk about something that's controversial. I don't think this is controversial, but I think it's really an important thing to talk about the joy of our salvation and the importance of experiencing the joy of our salvation. All right. Is, uh, something, uh, is our salvation joyful? How do you feel about it? Uh, have you maybe lost that joy? We want to talk about that on the program tonight. Stay tuned. We'll get started right after this. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 931- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and we welcome you to the virtual bible study this is the virtual bible study for thursday october 5th 2017 thank you for joining us on the program tonight my name is jacob gwynn my father greg gwynn is here hello dad jacob great to be with you tonight good to be with you as well kyle is behind the board kyle welcome to the program tonight sound good to be here looking forward to hearing from you as well and looking forward to hearing from you on the other end of the line 877-381-4567 is toll free the line is open questions at collegeview.com the email address and the email is working tonight and the chat rooms are working wherever you may be watching us tonight uh, sign in the chat room with other listeners on the program before we get started into our topic for discussion tonight jacob we want to be advertising our upcoming gospel meeting here at college view starts october the 22nd which is two weeks from this coming sunday uh, and then runs through the following Friday night, the 27th. Uh, so especially for those who are within driving distance of uh, Columbia, Tennessee, we hope you'll come. Our weeknight studies will be at 7 o'clock. We've got a variety of different speakers who are coming to bring a lesson each night. And uh, the topics they've chosen look really good. If you go to our collegeview.com homepage, you can see a little flyer that we've put up there talking about the meeting and telling you the speakers and their topics. And we just hope that anybody who uh, can come, if you're if you're within driving distance, please come. And that, again, that's October the 22nd, Sunday through Friday night the 27th. All right. Yeah, make plans to be here. Find out more about it at our website, thevirtualbiblesay.com. Thursday night we'll do the program live. Yeah, Donnie Rader, who's been on the program with us in the past, is going to be our speaker on Thursday night. He's already agreed to join us on the virtual Bible study. And his topic, I think, for that night and for our discussion on the program probably is a little bit controversial. Will only members of the Church of Christ be saved? That's his topic for his sermon. And we'll follow up with him on the virtual Bible study immediately after the sermon. And so if you come and hear Donnie speak, you'll also be able to come in here uh, to our little studio room where we do the virtual Bible study and join us for a live program. All right. We'll look forward to seeing you if you're anywhere near the Columbia, Tennessee area. Uh, you still got some bumper stickers. We got bumper stickers. We'll be glad to send you one. Send us your, your actual U.S. mail, snail mail address and we'll get one in the mail to you. Uh, one or two, if you can use two. We got two different kinds. We got a longer one and we got an oval one. And we'd be glad to get some of those to you if you can help us advertise. We'll give you one for each one of your cars in your household, whatever you need. Um, And uh, the uh, stack of listener questions, how's that looking? 
it's growing some. Our friend Chris down in uh, the Atlanta area sent a couple of questions this week, and so our, our, our stack is growing, and hopefully we can get another listener question program pretty soon. But if you've got a question you'd like to hear discussed on the Virtual Bible Study, send it to us. Uh, it, it it doesn't necessarily have to be a question that you don't know the answer to. If you just think it's something that's worthy of discussion, uh, let us know. Maybe if somebody asked you a question you didn't know the answer to, or maybe you'd just like to hear uh, what other people uh, understand about the subject uh, from the Scriptures, send it in to questions at collegeview.com. And if, uh, well, we can make this uh, offer as well. If you'd like to join us on the virtual Bible study, or if your preacher would like to join us, Talk about yeah. something you disagree with. We've actually been discouraged uh, that people who disagree with us t- take a Bible subject, take the subject of baptism. We have an open door policy. If you disagree with what we teach on baptism for the remission of sins, there's a there's an open standing invitation to come and speak with us about that right. on the virtual Bible. So we'll give you a chance to talk uh, to tell what you believe. We'll engage you with some questions, uh, but it'll all be done in a friendly manner. Yep. Uh, we're not going to get mad or ugly. I do believe that it, that an open exchange and discussion of religious differences is very necessary. And sadly, it's uh, not too common. Yeah, I said we've been discouraged, and the reason we've been discouraged is because people won't take us up on that offer. Yeah, and we do it in a very kind way. We've done it in the past. There's 12 years' worth of programs, and you can find lots of programs where we've interviewed folks or had a dialogue with folks. Uh, and we do it in a kind way. Almost every time, the folks thank us and want to come back and do it again sometime. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to do it in a nice way. If you'd be willing to, or your preacher would be willing to. But I tell you what, we'll also do. If you've got a radio program or some kind of media outlet, uh, we'd be glad to come and talk on your program too. If yeah. you want to talk about something that, that you think we've taught that might not be as you understand the truth. All right. So we got a microphone under this desk, or we got a phone over here. You can do it on the phone or in the yeah. in the studio with us. We'd love to for you to join us uh, because it's very important. The things that we're talking about are important, and well, they uh, can have an impact on uh, our topic tonight: the joy you know, of our the, salvation. You know, the old the old saying is still true: if we disagree about something religiously. You might be right and I might be wrong, or I might be right and you might be wrong, or we both might be wrong, but we both can't be right, and okay. and we need to get to the bottom of that. All right. That's exactly right. It's very important. All right. Uh, to the topic tonight. All right. Earlier today to our update list, we always remind you, get on our list. If you're not, you can send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say, add me to the list, and along about 11 o'clock, I usually try to get this out at 11 o'clock Central Time. If you're in the Eastern Time Zone, of course, that'd be noon. But uh, long about midday, you're going to find out what we plan to talk about that night and give you a chance to think about it and maybe even send in some feedback and response. Uh, so if you're not on our email update list, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com and just say, put me on the list and we'll do it. But to our update list today, earlier today, we sent out these questions. Number one. What are some of the negative consequences that result when Christians fail to experience and demonstrate the joy of salvation? So I think that's really important. In other words, this is this is an important thing. If if I'm a Christian, but I'm not joyous in my, in my salvation, and I show that I'm living a depressed, more, miserable uh, life, that's going to have some consequences to me and to others, and yep. we want to talk about that. Number two, comment on some given reasons why Christians should rejoice. 
and we're going to we'll talk about each of those individually and then we ask you what are your what are some of your suggestions about things that should cause us to be joyful and then finally uh, what about overcoming depression so i'm not joyous and i'm actually depressed what would be some keys to getting out of that and getting back to a joyful outlook on life? All right. We'll look forward to hearing from you and your comments on the program tonight. David, Jacob, you know the, the, the idea of or, or the reality of people with, with serious problems experiencing depression, uh, all the statistics tell us that this is a, a an explosive problem in our society. I've got a, a news article here from CBS News. It says the number of Americans who say they've taken an antidepressant over the past month rose by 65% between 1999 and 2014, a new government survey finds. By 2014, about one in every eight Americans over the age of 12 reported recent antidepressant use uh According to a survey from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, women are nearly twice as likely as men to be taking such medications with antidepressant used. Antidepressants are used by 16.5% of women. Long-term antidepressant use was common. One-fourth of all people who took antidepressants over the past month reported that they'd actually taken them for 10 years or more. Yeah. So, and uh, before we get too far into that, we ought to uh, acknowledge the fact that there are certain medical conditions uh, where that course of action may be appropriate. But yeah. we're talking about spiritually connected problems today that would cause depression is what our, our focus is. Yeah, on. yeah, we under, we're not we're not bl- issuing a blanket condemnation of those who might need medical attention. Uh, but I think there has been a lot of concern that that these kind of drugs are being overprescribed and that that maybe we need to deal with the root cause of what's causing people to be depressed rather than just medicating them uh, yeah. in, in their depression. I saw another story talking about uh, a, a, an, a, a single megachurch with 4,000 members, and one of the people reported that over half of the women in that megachurch were on antidepressants. And so what you're seeing then is that this is not just, you know, yeah, the reason people are, are depressed because they're the irreligious, they're the wicked, immoral people of the world. Now the statistics are telling us that religiously inclined people are as as likely or maybe even more likely to be taking antidepressant drugs, which obviously indicates a problem with depression, not happy, not joyful, uh, there's a problem there. That's right. Uh, there is a problem, and uh, the fact of the matter is the Scriptures teach us that we should be joyful in our salvation. We'll talk about that, but lots of problems can come. Jim in uh, Kentucky says uh, their attitude, uh, this negative attitude, can influence others. So if we're not joyful, we can have a negative influence on others. Babes in Christ can be influenced by them, and non-Christians can note that they have no joy, which would suggest that Christianity is not all it pretends to be. Another problem is uh, that individuals tend to focus on the feeling of joy and not the attitude of joy. James says that we can rejoice in dealing with trials and temptations. James 1, verses 1 through 3, this suggests that joy is not simply a feeling, uh, emotion, but one that comes from a knowledge of God's Word and what it can do. Thank you, exactly right, Interesting observations. Thank you, Jim. I think those are exactly right. But but what Jim is saying there, in line with our first question, what are some of the negative consequences? Well, first of all, it... 
the, the negative consequences of not really experiencing and demonstrating the joy of my salvation is that, first of all, I suffer. Right. Uh, and and God doesn't want that. God wants me to be joyful, and he has provided, as we're going to talk about in our program tonight, plenty of avenues for me to have a joyful outlook on life because I'm in a relationship with him as a child of God. And so I'm suffering, but as Jim points out, I'm also having a negative impact on others. So everybody knows I'm a Christian, but I'm just a miserable person. I just... I, I, I just uh, in, in a constant bad mood, grousy and complaining all the time, uh, never a smile on my face. Uh, and someone said, that's a Christian? I, I don't think I want anything to do with that. If that's what being a Christian is, it must not be much because it seems to be making that guy miserable. Yeah. You know, he seems very unhappy. Uh, I'm not going to follow his course. And, and so I think I think we have to realize, as Jim pointed out in his email, that... that I'm suffering, but I'm also causing a, 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 an impression or an influence on others that is not going to be helping to bring them to want to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, think about uh, that. It, certainly it is a negative influence on others. It's going to be di- very difficult to convince others that they ought to follow the same path that we are uh, following if we ourselves are miserable but I want to go back to the the consequences uh, that it has on on us. Those consequences are wide ranging. It's going to make us very. It's going to make it very difficult for us to follow other commands of God. For instance, yeah. in everything, give thanks uh, for this is the will of God concerning yeah. you. First Thessalonians five eighteen. It's going to be. Uh, it's going to open up a door, I believe, for Satan to tempt us in other areas as well. If we don't have the joy that God wants us to have in our salvation, how many people have you known who have given up or given in to Satan because they lost that joy. Exactly right. Exactly right. So there's just there, there's all kind of ramifications. But I'm encouraged to know that we're not alone in this, and this is actually not a new problem. In Psalm 51, and I think a lot of people recognize Psalm 51, David was writing about the sin he'd committed with Bathsheba and his horrible sort of guilt over the experience that he'd been involved in. and he And he basically praying to God there, Psalm 51, verse 12, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. So David knew that he that he was missing it at that point. He was buried in a back. mountain of guilt there. Yeah, and he, and he, wanted he was wanting salva- saved from that, yeah. And he was desperately asking God to help him with his sal- joy, yeah. Yeah, exactly right. Um, uh, but there's plenty of things, and we'll talk about them as but there's plenty of things that God has has provided and designed in order to help us have that joy of salvation, and we'll talk about those. It's what God has intended in Isaiah chapter 12, verse 3, uh, prophecy about the Christian era, therefore with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. God expects us to be joyful in our salvation. Yeah. Uh, this uh, blessing he's given us of, of, of our salvation is something that ought to, ought to evoke joy in our hearts. Yeah, and we might mention the Ethiopian eunuch as a good example. Somebody, he, he, he learned the truth about Jesus, he obeyed the gospel, he was baptized into Christ, and in Acts 8, verse 39, after he was baptized, it says he went on his way rejoicing. What was the basis of that rejoicing? Well, that rejoicing was based on the fact that he had learned about salvation and had responded to the gospel call and he felt good about it. And uh, certainly he was drawing from the, the, the wells of salvation with joy there. Um, that joy 
in the first century was external or was independent of the external circumstances of the people who were drawing the salvation from the well. Yeah, a lot of the people who who did what the eunuch did. Now we don't know what became of the eunuch, but a lot of people who did exactly what the Ethiopian eunuch did suffered physically the, a, a very intense persecution. But they could still be joyful. Thinking about uh, Peter and John in, in Acts chapter 5, after they'd been beaten up, uh, they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. So certainly the external circumstances weren't the cause of the joy. But uh, this is independent of that. They're still I think that's a really good point to stress. So if I'm going to be joyful, that means everything's got to be perfect in my life. Nope. I've got to have, I gotta have a good job paying great money. I gotta have a nice house, a new car. I, I need to go on at least a couple of pretty elaborate vacations every year. Uh, the, the faucet's not leaking the, in the, the, the dishwasher. There's no issues. Yeah. And, and, and when it's like that, I can be joyful. But buddy, I'll tell you, if, if there's any storm clouds on the horizon, poof, my joy is gone. No, absolutely not. That's not the picture that we're getting from God's people. Uh, who could be joyful even under extreme harsh circumstances of persecution. They could be joyful, and their joy was based upon their relationship with God and as, as obedient children. And that's something God has told us that we should expect, a joy connected with our salvation. And so why rejoice? We'll get to that on the other side of the break. Uh, we'll want your thoughts. Uh, send them in the chat room tonight or give us a call, 877-381-4567. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks us. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the virtual Bible study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the virtual Bible study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. Here's some quotes worth pondering. If your heart and head are going in the right direction, you won't have to worry about your feet. Satan is a fisherman, too. Deceit is his bait. Suckers get caught. To cheer yourself up, try cheering someone else up. Man, wish I'd said that. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight as we talk about the joy of our salvation and asking the question now, why rejoice? Well, we put that question out. We we offered some suggestions, and then we asked you to add to any suggestions. So let's go through our suggestions of reasons for rejoicing first. And one of them, Jacob, is just that we, we have a freedom. But, of course, we have to identify what that means. Sure. Uh, but just in general, freedom in, in and of itself is something that causes joy. Well, if you think about that... Uh, Everybody who's a prisoner, everybody who's oppressed, everybody who's under confinement or restricted in one way or another, everybody who has some kind of something holding them down, what, what do they long for? Yeah. To be free. Uh, you know, we've, we, uh, one of the popular kind of movies through the years uh, uh, has to do with uh, uh, maybe 
prisoners of war who uh, what do they talk about what are they scheming constantly how to escape how, how to, to be get, free how to be free yeah. you know so for, there's just something in us i think as humans that longs for freedom and so if we just said that word that ought to that ought to be meaningful itself but what we're f- actually free from is is also very important much greater than any physical uh, condition we could find ourselves john chapter 8 verse 32 jesus says you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free. So there was a, a great uh, treasure there that Jesus mentioned in knowing the truth. And the freedom, I think, is uh, the key is that it's free from sin and the consequences of sin. Uh, that statement, you shall know the truth and the truth make you free, would apply to a guy who's in jail for the rest of his life. Yeah. So he's committed some kind of a crime. He's convicted. He's in jail. Life without parole. He can still have this freedom. Because this freedom comes from knowing God's truth and responding to it. And it, it's not physical freedom. You may never be physically free. There's a lot of people in this world who do not enjoy the kind of freedoms that we enjoy. But they can be free in the most important sense, be free from sin and its consequences. In First John chapter 1, verse 7, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin, all of the sin uh, that we've committed and uh, and the, the guilt that goes along with it, we can be free from that. I really like Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. That's the freedom, freedom from the condemnation of sin. And and there's nothing, you know, what, what's really significant about this is that we should be joyful in this because we were, we're undone and lost and without hope and no way to re- relieve that situation ourselves, and God made it possible. God made it possible for us to be made free from the consequence of sin through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. Uh, I, I just probably don't think that we dwell on that enough. We don't think about the significance of that. Maybe we take for granted too much the the liberation that God has provided to us through his son, Jesus Christ. Well, you can contrast that with what David was mentioning. We mentioned over in Psalm 51 again, the the, the guilt that David had uh, from his sin with Bathsheba and against uh, Uriah the Hittite. He said in verse 3 of Psalm 51, "For I, my, I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me against you. You only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. You may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Uh, David had th- th- this, again, mountain of, of guilt that he was carrying along, and we do as well. We ought to realize that without Christ, that that was our condition. But now we can be free from every bit of that. All of that guilt uh, can uh, be gone. Yeah. Uh, Jim in Kentucky says, free from sin, free from God's wrath, free from being in bondage to Satan and the flesh. Those are significant things. Just today we were hearing about somebody who has allowed themselves to get seriously overtaken by drugs. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's a, a real bondage. They are really literally in a in a sense of bondage to the sin of their drug use. Uh but but through through God's grace we can be made free from sin and its bondage and all the consequences that it brings if we will turn to God, turn from our sins, turn to God, we can be we can be free. Yeah. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. 
the, the idea of that guilt, uh, I think, is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 15. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Those who have this guilt, uh, they, they, they can never get away from that, that fear. So here's, here's the contrast. So I, I commit sin, but I'm, I'm, I, I don't have any avenue to rid myself of the guilt. Because I think, I think all people experience, maybe not, because the Bible talks about some who have their conscience seared with a hot iron. Right. But short of actually searing my conscience with a hot iron, when I do something bad, I feel bad. Yeah. But if if there's no salvation, then I've got no way to get rid of that bad feeling, uh, of that guilt, of that of that problem. Yeah. But I can be made free. I think that's a good point. And uh, as a result of that, uh, Philippians 4, verse 7, The peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We've got that peace through Christ, through this salvation that Christ has made possible. We ought to rejoice in that. Uh, that ought to bring us a great joy. Let's... let's Pick up another suggestion that was offered in our update today. Not only are we free, we also have strength and protection uh, to deal with the temptations of life and the trials that come our way. Jesus promised this in John chapter 10, really famous text that unfortunately gets misused sometimes by those who want to suggest uh, eternal security or once saved, always saved. So, Unfortunately, we have to deal with this text uh, just to correct the errors that are sometimes associated with it. But but it's a great promise. John 10, verse 27, beginning, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. That's that's wonderful. In other words, if I commit myself, no nobody else can undo that. Nobody Nobody can... Take me away from God's love and protection. Yeah, we are Christ, and nothing can change that. There's, uh, that's a great, uh, that's great security. Great, no one can change that. I certainly can uh, depart from the faith. I can certainly make my faith shipwreck and uh, fall from grace. But no external force is going to be able to change that. Um, you know, we talk about being free from sin. That's great. But if I'm just at the whim of whatever may come my way, and I can't, there's nothing that can prevent me from falling right back into that same bondage, then there's no real joy there. But couple the fact that we're free from sin, we're Christ, and uh, we're his, and no one can pluck him from, pluck us from his hand. Jim, in his email, said, we have this strength and protection. God watches over his people. Hebrews 13, 5, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And so Jim says he is ever with us. That gives us strength. All right. Exactly right. All right. And, uh, um you know, the, the Psalms, anytime you're talking about this is sort of this topic, uh, as we said at the outset, this is not a controversial topic, but this is one that just sort of goes to the heart. You know, how, uh, our basic thoughts and attitudes. And, uh, and a lot of times you, you see in the Psalms expressions of that sort of thing. And in Psalm 46, notice verse 1 beginning, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, uh, will not we fear, though the earth be removed and into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake and the, uh, with the swelling thereof? I, I mean, again, I'm really encouraged to know that we're not the first people to ever sort of need that encouragement and uh, need to really have that joy of our salvation 
rekindled in us. But that strength that comes from God and the protection that he promises in, in the most troubling of times, that psalm suggests, notice the mountains carried into the midst of the sea, the waters thereof roar and are troubled. That's, that's, now, that's not talking literally. That's a figurative expression talking about really tough times. Yes, yeah, yeah. But we will not be moved because God is an very present help in trouble. All right, and uh, certainly great joy in that. And that's closely coupled with our obedience. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, uh, the wise man who built his house upon the rock, therefore whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And so there's that that protection and strength that we're talking about, that we uh, whatever may come, whatever wind may blow, whatever and floods may come, we're, we're founded on that rock. And the idea, I think, of that is that as I, the more I learn and apply myself and the more I put into practice the principle, the, the stronger my house gets right. uh, against the battering of the elements of this life. Yeah. Uh, so I just need to, I need to, I need to work hard and make, uh, and apply myself. And the more I do, it, it's, it's, it's sort of like a feedback loop. The more I do, the more I get back. Well, and you know, uh, the hurricanes have been in the, the news here lately. When folks uh, know their hurricanes coming, they don't wait till the wind starts blowing and the rain starts falling to put those pieces of plywood over their windows. They're doing that while the sun's shining. Yeah. And uh, we need to be working on getting our house uh, fortified before uh, the wind blows and the, and the floods come. Exactly right. All right. Let's grab a break. When we come back, we're going to move a little faster here. We've got several other reasons. We want to hear your reasons. What do you think are some of the things that, as Christians, we have blessings from God that serve as real sources of joy in our lives. All right, we're free from sin. We have strength and protection when we get back. A reason for living. Well, that'll give us some joy. I think that's so important. All right, don't go anywhere. We'll get the bullet point and get back right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. This is Greg Wynn with this week's bullet point. In a recent conversation, a Christian explained her view of modest apparel. The specific discussion centered on wearing swimsuits at the beach or public pool. She said, quote, there's nothing wrong with it because everyone is dressed that way. No one thinks a thing about it. Her argument fails the test of logic in a couple of fundamental ways. First, if a certain mode of dress is okay because everyone is dressed that way, then there is literally no limit to what might be allowed. In fact, total nudity would be acceptable, according to this view, just so long as everyone is dressed that way. We wonder if this sister understands where her faulty thinking could lead. Is she ready to join the crowds at the clothing-optional beaches that are springing up in many coastal areas? Secondly, we deny that, quote, no one thinks a thing about it. If this is so, why are the annual swimsuit editions of certain magazines so popular? And please explain the explosion of pornography in our modern culture. Easy access on the Internet has made addiction to pornography rampant in our day. You say, quote, no one thinks a thing about it? We say, think again. Most importantly, this flawed argument not only fails the test of logic, but it also fails the test of God's law. Remember, we're not in the business of establishing our moral values based upon what the majority of people do or think, Exodus 23, verse 2. Our standard must be the inspired word of God, John 12, verse 48. The scriptures define nakedness, Genesis 3, verses 6 and following, Exodus 28, verses 40 and following, and obligate us to maintain modesty, 1 Timothy 2, verses 9 and 10. 
We pose this simple question to our sister and to any other Christian who believes as she does. If modern swimsuits adequately cover nakedness as defined in the Bible and also allow a person to maintain modesty, can you please then describe any article of clothing that would not do so? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hi, my name is Hunter. I'm 11 years old, and I love listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over, and the Virtual Bible Study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. And I think Hunter's probably about 22 years old. 23 now, I think. (laughs) It still works, I guess. Uh, We're glad that you're here tonight, and uh, we look forward to hearing from you. Questions at collegeview.com. We remind you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee, as we mentioned earlier in the program, uh, collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com where you find out more about us and find out more about our meeting coming up uh, here in a couple weeks uh, at our website, collegeview.com. Talking about the joy of our salvation on the program tonight. Yeah, we're talking about, we, we offered some suggested reasons why we should be joyful. And I want to go back to our introductory comments about the fact that if we're not, then there's going to be a lot of negative consequences. If we're not joyful in our salvation... Personally, I'm going to I'm 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 going to suffer and I'm going to be weak and and prone to temptation, and I'm also be, going to be giving off an aura of negativism that's going to really be harmful to others, both my my fellow Christians and to those who are not yet Christians that I ought to be influencing for good. If if they see in me a misery uh, that I'm sort of just that I'm a Christian, but it's like you know, breaking rocks. Uh, if they yeah. if they sense that in me, they're not going to want anything to do with it. All right. And God has uh, told us that there will be great joy with our salvation and uh, joy that will help us uh, as we strive to live for him. Uh, next, uh, you mentioned in your update list uh, that we have a reason for living, and this should cause us uh, great joy. Yeah, I, I think it's, it's very... Uh, I, I just wonder... How do the people who don't know uh, about salvation, how do they deal with the realities of life? So what am I doing here? Oh, I'm working. I'm working. Uh, I'm going to work for 40 years and then retire. Of course, I may die before I I get there. But if I make it to retirement and I've invested all my energy into this job and just as soon as I retire, somebody else is going to take that job. And in a week or two, there the, the other people at that place will forget that I was ever there. What am I living for? What's what's the purpose of my existence? I'm, I'm going to die and be forgotten in this world. What what what's this all for anyway? Well, you hear about people who go through some type of tragedy or uh, some type of big uh, life event that happens. They say, "Well, I just don't have a reason to get up in the morning. There's no reason to live." And uh, and it's a, it's a miserable condition uh, that people find themselves in. And uh, God gives us the answer to that with our salvation. Exactly right. We have a reason for living. Um, you know, again, what's I think so encouraging is, you no, know, we're not the first ones to struggle with some of these same kind of questions. Solomon did. And the whole book of Ecclesiastes has Solomon struggling to figure out what's all what it's all about struggling to figure out why he needs to get out of bed in the morning yeah what's the purpose of living yeah. and he and of course he was wealthy and in a position of power and he so he could try about anything that came to mind yeah. to to please himself to satisfy and he did him. and he did and he pursued all those avenues and that's really what the book of, Re- of ecclesiastes is about and at the end of it 
he says in Ecclesiastes 12, verse 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Well, what's the whole matter? Well, this is his, his search, his, his experiment, seeking meaning in life. He said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. And he had tried uh, living for himself, uh, living for uh, pleasure, living for riches and, uh, and wealth. He had tried all that. Gratification. He said uh, it was all worthless. Vanity and vexation of spirit yeah, so, repeats over, through and through the book of Ezekiel. So Ecclesiastes. those in the world around us that don't enjoy God's salvation, they're chasing all those things. And they're doing it with uh, all their might, Kyle. I mean, uh, really going after uh, pleasures and, uh, and riches and wealth. And, uh, well, it's all vanity. And uh, they're, they're, uh, many are realizing that. Oh, yes, of course. It's... I think a lot of times they just find themselves shipwrecked on, you know, the shores of life. It's like just, you know, what is, I've been, you know, going after riches and going after simple pleasures my whole life. But then it's like you just, you find yourself like, okay, well, what's next? What's, what is this all about? But then yeah. we don't have that faith to fall back on. You find yourself empty, I'd imagine. It's, yeah. now, because those things are temporary at best. Yeah. You know, so I might enjoy this momentarily, whatever it is I'm doing. But the problem with the pleasures of this world is that they're temporary. And it's almost like a sugar high. You know, you uh, uh, if you eat a whole bunch of sugary candy, you like it in the moment. But very shortly after that, you have this sort of sick feeling, you know, the bad taste in your mouth and your stomach hurts. And then maybe you even have a uh, blood sugar low. Uh, and And so I think that's what sin does for people. It gives them this momentary high, but there's no lasting satisfaction to it right but for for those who are in christ we understand what it's all about we see the big picture we have a purpose for living we serve the lord jesus we're we're and we're and we understand this is all temporary and we're looking for a a home uh eternal uh beyond this life Mm -hmm. and that 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 makes it all make sense all right. Uh, Monty's listening in Lincoln, Nebraska hey, Monty. tonight. And uh, from the Cornhusker State says, serving God is all that matters. Everything else is temporary. Exactly. Uh, thank you for that. And uh, Dwight says, I think Dwight may be in the same neck of the woods there. Uh, says, I think I've, Dwight's in Iowa, yeah, so not uh, too far away. Maybe not too far. Uh, I've heard from by brethren that we really don't know uh, that we are saved. I believe the scriptures teach a blessed assurance. We can know we are right and going to heaven. That gives me hope. Yeah. Thank you for that, Dwight. We agree with you on that. Exactly right. All right. All right. So we got the, the, uh, another thing that goes right along the same lines of, of having a reason for living, Jacob, is is work to do, important work to do. Yeah. Uh, I think those two things are just really linked together. Uh, so we we have a reason for living, and that reason for living is what we're here to do. And if you were going to boil it all down, what what are we here for? What's our purpose? What are we supposed to be doing? Our purpose is to bring glory to God, our Creator. Yeah. Uh, John, for, uh, John 15, verse 8 Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. We we bear fruit for the Lord, we glorify the Father, uh, and and so I'm I'm here to just seek my own selfish interests and whatever I can get for myself in this moment. But that doesn't last. I realize that doesn't last, and I'm depressed. I'm discouraged. It's not working. But if I change and realize that. Actually, what I'm here for 
is to bring glory to God. And it's not about me, it's about him. Then I have a purpose for living and I have something to accomplish and and it gives me a reason to be joyful. And right, and work is uh, is necessary for our happiness. Uh, just in general terms, you you see folks who don't have to work. Uh, for instance, the celebrities who have millions of dollars, and look how miserable many of their lives are because that absence of work, I think, is a is a cause for that. And uh, God has given us uh, much work to do. The Great Commission, we know that we're to go into the world and teach, baptize in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Ghost. Uh, there's work to do. God's given us work. Yeah. And uh, he's told us that he wants us to be busy. James 1, verse 27, Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fathers and widow, widows in their affliction, and to keep himself unspotted by the world. God's given us work to do, and it's inherent in our nature. Going all the way back to the Garden of Eden. Going all the way back to the Garden of Eden. In the perfect environment of the Garden of Eden, God assigned Adam work to do. I, uh, I think we mistakenly imagine if I had... If I just had a, a, a million dollars, if, if I had a million dollars and, and never had to work again, oh, I could be so happy. No, I'd probably be miserable. miserable. You know, the, the people who have won the lottery and just won mega millions, most of them turn out losing their money and miserable. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so uh, we have that uh, that great the joy that could come from that reason for living and the work to do. Um, all right. Uh, we've been missing some of Jim's comments here. On strength and protection, he mentioned, Yea, though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. We're strong in dealing with evil, uh, for we know he uh, is ever with us and will help us. His word protects us. Above all, taking the fire, the shield of faith, wherewith you may be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. Ephesians six verse sixteen, and so he's mentioning there that strength and protection, the reason for living. He says here we are his seed, we are to be lights in the world. We serve him in a greater purpose. We share the glorious message of the gospel. Uh, we have an important work to do. He says as above, we are God's hands in this world to show others His grace, mercy, and love, uh, especially with respect to salvation. So. Uh, certainly, thank you for those comments, uh, Jim, on the program tonight. Let's talk uh, real quickly. Let's talk about one more thing. We got to grab another break, and then we got to go to the top of the hour. But I think the fact that we have a spiritual family is certainly reason for rejoicing, Jacob. Uh, we're uh, Ephesians two verse nineteen. We are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, or we would say of the family of God. It, it would really be a sad existence if we were out here by ourselves trying to do the right thing. But when we've got lots of other people who who have the same values and and who appreciate the same things that we do, and they can be a source of, of encouragement to us and help and strength, having a spiritual family and being in that spiritual family uh, is a great blessing. And I, this is certainly a point I need to take to heart. We need to we need to cherish that and nurture those bonds of family uh, in the body of Christ. Uh, I think probably far too often we're way too negative in regards to our spiritual family. It's a positive blessing for us. And it should cause us great joy. You know, and we talk about this being external to the circumstances around us. A lot of times, uh, the fact that folks want to live for Christ means that they may have to leave family, that it may isolate them from an earthly family. In Luke chapter 18, verse 29, he said unto them, Verily I say to you, there is no man that hath left house or parents or brethren or wife or children 
for the kingdom of God's sake, who shall not receive manifold more in this present time and in the world to come, life everlasting. So we may be isolated from our physical family, but we've got a spiritual family. And lots of Christians, I know that there are a lot of Christians who who would agree that they that they feel a tighter bond of affection to their spiritual family in Christ than they do to a lot of their physical family because of the commonality we have in serving God. Yeah, and uh, and the uh, assistance we can get from that family in First Corinthians twelve verse twenty six. You know, an, er- an earthly family is supposed to be there for uh, each other. Oftentimes they're not, uh, but a spiritual family uh, more so. In First Corinthians 12, verse 26, And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now, we, ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. And so that family is there uh, to aid and assist you. Exactly right. All right. So great joy uh, comes from uh, just the fact that we have a family. Uh, in his email... Um, Jim says, one of the greatest assets God has given us is the comfort that comes from knowing others are working with us and for us. Others working with us and for us. Uh, Certainly that is a great uh, joy and great comfort. Let's get a break. We'll go to the top of the hour. We'll wrap this up and then talk some about depression. Yeah, let's talk. We're just going to offer some quick suggestions that if you're not experiencing that joy, uh, hopefully just dwelling on the kind of things we're talking about, positively dwelling on on these good things that we have, Will will help, but there's also some other things we maybe can suggest in dealing with depression from a biblical point of view as well. Questions at collegeview.com. Still time to take your emails there. Don't go anywhere. We'll go to the top of the hour right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Tonight on Channel 8 WSIN, it's TV like you've never seen it before. Starting at 8, it's TV's funniest new comedy, Fornication in the City, and Marie has been misbehaving again. Guess what? I just cheated on my husband. He doesn't even know about it. (laughs) And then at 8.30, it's the show that's setting the standard. You won't want to miss this week's I Love This World, where Bob makes a great announcement. Well, I think it's time you knew the truth. I'm gay. (laughs) And at 9 o'clock. It's the show that Television Magazine has called the number one drama for murder and violence. You won't want to miss this week's In Cold Blood to see who will be the next to be gunned down. It all starts tonight at 8 o'clock on Channel 8 WSIN. I'm Greg Gwynn reminding you that sin is a terrible thing and that those who are entertained by watching others sin fall under the condemnation of God that is mentioned in Romans 1.28. Be careful what you watch on television because in spite of what the devil wants you to think, sin is always sin and it's never funny. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. More than half of boys and nearly a third of girls see their first pornographic images before they turn 13. In a survey of hundreds of college students, 93% of boys and 62% of girls said they were exposed to pornography before they turned 18. That information is via CovenantEyes.com. The Word of God says in Matthew 5, verse 28, But I say unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight as we go to the top of the hour, talking about the joy of our salvation. We've uh, got joy because we've been free from uh, that burden of guilt and, uh, and sin and the captivity that comes along with it. 
We've got strength and protection promised us by God. We have a reason to live and work to do in that life. We have family, and uh, finally, we've got hope. We've got hope. I mean, what what more? I mean, what, 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 we just had a little calamity over there on the camera. Uh, <laughs> I thought this whole thing was going to fall down. Uh, but, but the idea that we have that we have hope, eternal hope, is so important. Jim said, uh, eternal salvation is only available to the child of God. One day we will see God face to face and be rewarded with his eternal glory. The wicked will be cast away, but we will be brought into his fellowship forever. Well said, Jim. I think that's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, in John chapter 4, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. But notice how that starts. Very famous text there, John 14, beginning verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. Well, that'd be a person without joy, right? So don't be joy, don't be joyless. Be joyful. Why? Because there's a promised reward for serving the Lord. Absolutely. And that gives us hope. No matter what may come in this life, we've got hope uh, of, uh, of eternal life with uh, God in Christ. And, you know, you go on a trip and uh, you, you take comfort in the fact that, hey, I've got a, a hotel or I've got a place to stay reserved for me. In First Peter chapter three verse four, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, with which hath, according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. We've got reservations made in heaven. Amazing. Isn't that yeah, a great hope? That uh, dwell can... on that in in life's darkest moments. Dwell on that hope, and it will it will rekindle that joy in your heart and it will help others to want to follow suit and uh, be children of god as well yeah all right uh, in these last few minutes we've got I, I wanted to deal with some suggestions about overcoming depression now again i think these positive things that we were just talking about all the good things that we have the reasons we have for rejoicing are obviously countermeasures to being discouraged and depressed uh but there's there's some other things that we can suggest too that will be help helpful. One is I think that we need to to look outside of ourselves and think about other people. Typically, when we're depressed, it results from the fact that we have become sort of self-consumed, self-centered. It's about me, and things are not going good for me right now, and. Woe is me, and all of that sort of thing. Uh, one of the things that will help is to to look beyond self, and and the scriptures actually encourage us to do that sort of thing. In Philippians chapter two, Philippians chapter two, verse four, beginning, look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God but made himself of no reputation and took on him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And so on the text goes. But the the point that Paul is urging there is be like Christ. Christ wasn't just thinking of himself. And all of us as Christians, I, I really do think that I, I would I would argue from my, my own personal experience, I, I typically am I'm in, in a worse mood if I'm just dwelling on me. Mm-hmm. And I'm in a lot better mood if I'm 
thinking of others. That's right. And uh, certainly uh, we need uh, to be focused on others. Uh, it will make, uh, when we think about others and serving others, it makes our uh, problems and our troubles seem to go away, seem very minor, and look to help others. And uh, it will help us with our, thought, exactly with our thoughts. Exactly right. Yeah. Uh, another thing that we need to do is is force ourselves to think right. In other words, captivate our minds, discipline our minds, control our thinking processes because uh, unfortunately some folks are more inclined than others, but all of us have a tendency to dwell on negative things if we allow ourselves to do so. And so we need to uh, think about the the joyful things that we've been discussing in a program tonight Proverbs 23, verse 7, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So if, I, if I'm thinking miserably, then I will be miserable. But if I'm thinking joyfully, I will be joyful. And so uh, focus on not on the negative things, but on the positive things that we have uh, from God. I like Proverbs 25, verse 28, uh, along these lines. He that hath no rule over his spirit, own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. We can get ourselves in a lot of trouble if we if we don't learn to have control of our thoughts and our thinking. He that has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that, that is broken down and without walls. Got to got to control those thoughts, or else you're going to end up in a bad spot. Exactly right. So think about others. Control, discipline your mind to think on positive things. Try not to be distracted by the things of this world, because because as we said earlier, the things of this world are temporary. They're not going to bring lasting satisfaction. I'm a lot happier when I realize that I have been engaged in positive things in the service of God. So don't let all the activities and the busy schedule of life distract us. Make sure you stay focused on doing the most important things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Another suggestion, don't commiserate with others who are in misery. Yeah. Uh, commiserate. Uh, so that's being in misery with other people who are in misery. There are some people who are just, uh, and Kyle, we know we know folks like this who are just negative about everything, and and, and they and they never have a joyful thought or comment. And if I allow myself to join in with them and just complain about everything. First of all, the complaining doesn't change anything for the better, and and beyond that, it just makes me more miserable. And so uh, we should work to not commiserate with others who are in bad shape. Murmurers and complainers typically like company. And in the Old Testament, we can read about uh, the Israelites. uh, They did that as a group, and uh, that group commiseration can cause us lots of problems. Exactly right. Uh, I think we've got to be realistic uh, and and that means that I, that uh, I'm not I won't always live up to uh, every expectation that I have or that others have. Uh, I mean, perfection is the ideal, the goal, but I got to realize that uh, I'm I'm still striving for that goal. The apostle uh, Paul said plainly that he had not yet achieved that. Um, uh, in Philippians 3, verse 13, Brethren, I count not my... Back up, verse 12. Philippians 3, verse 12. 
Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that, for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And so I think we've got to be realistic. We're not perfect yet. In fact, we're not going to achieve perfection here. And so there are going to be some setbacks. We're going to stumble. We're going to fall. Pick yourselves up. Get going again. Be realistic. Don't be overly concerned about the criticisms that other offer us, uh, the negative criticism. We need to take positive criticism, obviously. But I need to be realistic with myself, too, and and, and times when I fail. All right. Um, and um, you may have skipped one there. Seek to please God, not men. Yeah. Finally, ultimately, make that the goal. I think most of us probably figured out that we are not going to make everybody happy all the time. Uh, no matter what you do, there's somebody who's going to criticize you or try to try to tear that down. So what my goal should be not to please men, but to please God. And and uh, he 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 will be uh, uh, fair and consistent in relating to me as I seek to please him. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, Paul asked, Do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Who am I trying to please here? Remember that I'm trying to please God, not men. All right. And uh, ultimately put your trust in God. So I think uh, those are just some suggestions that might help us in overcoming um, depression if we're in it. But I think the, the, the real treasure is in what god has supplied for us the reasons for rejoicing and if we can concentrate on those things i think we can uh, hopefully maintain a positive joyful outlook on life you can't uh, we can't quit though without saying that uh, if the depression is being caused because of uh, sin we haven't dealt with in our lives then uh, there's no joy in that situation and um, and uh, only misery can result in our world uh, and this is sort of the psychology of the age, the idea is you should feel good. You should feel good all the time. You should feel good about yourself. But the Bible idea is when you do bad, you should feel bad. And you can feel good again when you repent and turn back to God. Uh, so don't you don't feel good in your sin. It, it, you don't feel good in the things that are... It, basically, that's just like whitewashing the problem or ignoring it altogether. Yeah. Uh, What you need to do is root that out, and then you'll have a reason for rejoicing again. Um, Back uh, a couple comments that we've missed here. The McCord family in uh, Santa Fe, Tennessee, is a little different here. Uh, We feel blessed to be part of the College Church and working with people of like faith, talking about that family. Uh, That is a blessing that can cause us great joy. Josh uh, says Paul said he fought had fought the good fight he had won the race and he looked forward to his reward in heaven talking about that hope both things that can bring us great joy in our lives Kyle any final thoughts from you tonight uh, which it's I think uh, to overcome depression just all these things especially just you know we're talking about uh, I think uh, Greg mentioned <clears throat> how the Wednesday night uh, our Bible study is like a like a he's heard of, like a stepping stone across you know the rivers like which I've I value any time I get to, especially not just in church, just that 
recharge your spiritual battery, I guess, in some ways. Just so you have this, so you can, you know, power through the rest of the week. But just especially clinging to your spiritual family and just really gives you uh, looking after, looking towards God's word and using it as a uh, guide for your life. And you'll, if you seek that first and put your blinders onto the things of the world, that will really that'll help your happiness more than anything. It really will. So. All right. Thank you for those comments. And thanks for being here, Kyle, and helping That's us get on the air tonight. Uh, yeah, good discussion tonight. Thanks. Again, we said at the start it would not be controversial, and, and typically we don't get as much feedback from our listeners, but hopefully our listeners are listening and that all of us will take to heart the importance of being joyful in our salvation. All right. Uh, certainly we ha- should rejoice in the great salvation that God has made available through his son, Christ Jesus. If you have questions about that salvation, anyway, we can help you uh, to uh, understand that sal- joy of your salvation again. We'd encourage you to contact us anytime, questions at collegeview.com. We hope you benefited from our discussion tonight. I hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study his inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.